Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're someone who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight mindset coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to podcast episode number 141. This episode is for you if you feel that you just can't get it together to do the things required to help you lose weight, improve your health, feel better, etc, etc, all the things. Sometimes we tell ourselves we don't have time, but often it's more that we just feel as though we don't have the mental capacity. It feels like we have the maximum number of plates spinning and we can't add another plate. We feel at capacity, logistically, emotionally, mentally, or maybe even physically, or all of those. And often when we're in this space, we either don't feel in control of our priorities, so it feels as though everything is coming at us or landing in our lap, and there's nothing we can do except absorb the emotional or physical load and carry on. Or we feel that our health and weight loss doesn't warrant shifting other things off that priority list, maybe because the other things feel more pressing or more urgent, or we believe getting them out of the way will mean we can focus on our health and weight in the future. So we just keep going with them. We keep trying to continue to get them done. But often, more than not, more things land in our lap and then it just doesn't happen. Either way, it can feel sometimes like we're drowning. It can feel like we're trying to survive and probably because we've got used to being maybe the weight or having the health and the relationship with food that we do, not taking care of those things in the moment doesn't form a part of that picture of survival. We see it more as something that's a nice to have that we put in the bucket of things that are about taking care of ourselves when we're already surviving and striving to thrive instead. We think that if we don't have a critical health issue, whether consciously or unconsciously, or if we notice the emotional discomfort is manageable, that the best thing for us to do is to carry on juggling all of those plates. And of course, we may also know, or at least a small part of us knows, that actually what we need more than ever at this point in our life is to press pause on all of those other plates and take care of ourselves. We need more than anything to nurture ourselves with good food and emotional support. If you can relate, here are some things for you to consider to guide you in moving forward more easily. So number one, be accepting of yourself and your situation. Wishing things were different or judging yourself for what you are or aren't doing is going to hinder and not help you moving forward. So have compassion for that fact. Perimenopause and postmenopausal midlife changes, specifically hormone fluctuations, can make things feel more difficult. Even tasks that you were doing regularly before might feel more difficult, as if you are wading through treacle. And this could be due to hormonal fluctuations, as I was saying, because they can cause brain fog, aching muscles and low mood. And also have compassion for the fact that there might be role shifts taking place in your life at the moment. Maybe you've got children who are sort of growing up and leaving home or you're caring for others or there's changing roles taking place in the workplace and community. I always talk about reflecting on yourself and your life with curiosity and compassion whilst letting go of any judgments. And that includes your own judgments of yourself for not getting done what you want or showing up how you want. Self-acceptance is about accepting all of you, not just the bits you like. Self-acceptance is about appreciating yourself, 
even when you're noticing your flaws. We're all flawed. We're all human. It, what, it's what our own flaws are what makes us unique and beautifully ourselves. Number two, when you feel stuck or out of emotional capacity, I want you to know that the smallest actions matter and make a difference. Tiny actions such as drinking a couple of extra glasses of water, swapping out maybe a sugary snack for a healthy one, taking 10 minutes to walk outside. When you do these small things or just one of them daily, they can start to make a big impact. Okay, so if you think about it, just doing any of these three things consistently over time will help you to feel better. And as you start to feel better and see the positive impact, you will be more compelled to do the next thing. When you are being intentional in this way, there are also other benefits, additional byproduct benefits. So, for example, it's not just the drinking of the water that is going to help you. So, yes, drinking water will help your body be more hydrated. You're likely to feel less tired and sluggish. You're likely to have clear skin. You're likely to lose weight more easily. I'm sure there's many, many other benefits as well. And if that's something that you're doing and something that you're paying attention to and something that you're working at, not only do you get to benefit from all of those things, but in addition to all of that, just the act of you staying present and mindful enough of yourself and making yourself matter enough to drink the water will start to change your mindset around self-care and prioritizing yourself. And as you do that, it will start to feel easier and a more automated and more natural way to be. So you start off with one thing, but what you take away from that, the strategic byproducts of doing that one thing, will make the next thing that you do easier and the next thing easier and so on and so on. The other way that taking small action makes a difference is when you approach larger tasks by thinking about them in advance in such a way that you're breaking down the steps into tiny actions. So large goals and large actions can sometimes feel overwhelming. But when you break them down into the smallest pieces, you're likely to feel more able to be willing to do the next small piece, just the next thing, or feel more able or capable, as I was saying, to just do that small thing. You might have a goal, for example, to eat more healthily, but when you break that down into 50 tiny changes that you can make to help you with that and decide to do one at a time, it can feel more accessible for you to move forward and help those shifts. You might also benefit from changing your outcome-focused goals to action goals. So instead of setting a goal of losing 50 pounds, you set a goal of losing a pound or a half a pound a week. And when you focus entirely on just losing that next half a pound or that next pound within the seven days that you're giving yourself, you're more likely to think to yourself, I can do that. And the more that you do that, the better you get at it. You get really, really good at it. And so it just gets easier and easier. The third thing that might help you. The next thing I want you to know is that it doesn't take long to move from a place where you maybe feel like you're stuck or drowning or dropping all the plates and all the balls. It doesn't take long to be from that place until you feel in a better place, until you feel as though you're swimming again, juggling, spinning all the pieces of your life. When we're struggling, it feels like we're a long way from not struggling, but it's just simply not true. You can do a few things that will have you feeling better very, very quickly. Whether you are doing things that are going to make you feel more capable, more confident, more empowered, more peaceful, or in a place where you realise you're coping in just a couple of days. Okay, so when we're struggling, it feels like we're a long way from not struggling, but it's not true. Whether you're changing what you're thinking or what you're doing 
Again, remember it only needs to be in small ways. You will create momentum because you feel better and very quickly you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. Very quickly you will feel less stuck and more capable and have the clarity you're seeking. If you're doubtful, I invite you to try it. Commit to making some small changes for health consistently for three days, that's all. And then remember, each time you make and you do that positive thing, remember to acknowledge and notice and appreciate yourself for those small changes. And in three days time, you will feel so much better. Number four is recognizing the difference between self-pity and self-compassion. I think this is actually a really important one. It's a subtle but important difference. And it's important because self-pity keeps you stuck. It feeds that drowning feeling, whereas self-compassion helps you to start feeling as though you're moving forward and swimming. So how do you know if you're dwelling in self-pity or embracing self-compassion? It may be that you've not considered it before, but if you kind of check in with yourself, you might automatically know. If you don't automatically know, here are some ways that you may be able to recognise the differences. So when we're experiencing self-pity, we tend to be focused on a narrow perspective of our own sorrows and problems, whereas when we're being self-compassionate, our perspective is much broader and we see our suffering as part of a shared human experience. It just feels less personal. Also, when we're experiencing self-pity, we're more likely to blame external factors or others our troubles and we're less likely to take responsibility. Whereas when we're being compassionate with ourselves, we take responsibility without blaming ourselves. There's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of understanding of ourselves. Also, self-pity is more passive and can lead to feelings of powerlessness and stagnation, whereas self-compassion is more active and empowering. It involves taking a caring, kind approach to oneself. And self-pity often amplifies feelings of isolation as we may think we're the only one going through hardship, whereas self-compassion promotes a sense of connectedness with others. It acknowledges that everyone faces challenges and has imperfections. And self-pity might involve wallowing in one's mistakes and feeling like a victim, whereas self-compassion invites understanding and kindness towards ourselves when mistakes are made, treating ourselves as we would treat a very dear friend. So if you suspect you're feeling more self-pity than self-compassion, here are some ways you might move from the one to the other. So you might engage in a practice of mindfulness to help you become more aware of your emotions and thoughts so that you can identify when you're spiraling into self-pity. You would benefit from regularly checking in with yourself and asking yourself questions like, just am I wallowing in my own problems right now? Or am I seeking understanding and growth? You would benefit from practicing kind self-talk and being conscious of your own internal dialogue. When you notice self-pitying thoughts, gently guide them towards more compassionate and constructive ones. It's also incredibly valuable to talk to friends or support groups, to share your feelings and listen to others' experiences. This shared connection can help reduce feelings of isolation, which is often a part of self-pity. You might also benefit from starting a gratitude journal. Focusing on what you're grateful for can shift your mindset from what you lack or what's going on to what's going right in your life, what's going wrong to what's going right in your life. Also, you may find that doing kind acts for others can pull you out of self-centered, self-pitying mindset and foster feelings of connectedness and purpose. 
Also, one other thing to remember is that self-pity can sometimes be exaggerated by environments or people that reinforce that victim mentality and negativity. So just establish some boundaries or limit exposure to such people if they are in your life. You may also find finally using affirmations that reinforce self-compassion as helpful as well. So for instance, continually say to yourself, I'm doing the best that I can and that is enough. Or it's okay to ask for help. Just talk to yourself in these kind, compassionate affirmation ways. Moving from self-pity to self-compassion can be transformative. While self-pity keeps us stuck, self-compassion encourages growth, resilience and a deeper connection with ourselves and others. All right, so really want you to think about that one. And then moving on. So number five, look out for things, thoughts, people and activities that drain your energy and mental capacity. So you might resonate with the term energy suck, which is often used to describe situations, tasks or people that drain our vitality, our enthusiasm or our emotional well-being. What do you think or have in your life that might be falling into this category? It might be other people, in self-pity, just as I mentioned above, those negative energy people, or it might be people who expect too much of you, or it might be more about just you engaging in activities that are not useful, that can create a net negative impact on your life. I call these activities buffering. And often that is when we are doing things to feel better that actually lead us to feeling worse, such as overeating, overdrinking, overspending, over Netflix chilling. So Whether it's people you see or things that you do, put some boundaries in place within the structure of your day to day to help you with this. It might also be useful to seek alternatives. So if you're relaxing with Netflix to the extent that you're not getting the things you want to do in your life done, balance your Netflix watching with a walk or some other activity to help you relax that is less likely to become an energy on your a a drain on your energy or time. The sixth thing you can do to help yourself create more capacity for doing the things you want in your life is to incorporate a practice of self-care. Okay, and we've kind of come full circle with this, haven't we? But this could start with just looking like you going to bed earlier, okay, or going to bed at a consistent time, so the same time every night, just to help you get the sleep you need. This should not be underrated as to the importance of this. It might also look like playing music lighting a candle or burning essential oils, all of which are things you can do for yourself that don't take any time away from anything else. You can do these things in parallel to doing what else you need to do. And you might also want to consider listening to an enjoyable audiobook whilst you're driving or doing chores, or you might want to take a bubble bath or sit and journal with your favourite hot beverage. Again, small things that you can do for yourself to support yourself. Number seven is to plan. I think it takes less energy to do things when you break up planning to do them and the actual doing of them. It's easier to do things when you separate the planning of them from the taking action of doing it. Use this hack to make things easier for yourself. This is, I guess, a bit like breaking out things into smaller pieces, but I want you to specifically pay attention to planning what you will do at least 12 hours ahead of when you actually want to do it. You use a different part of your brain when you do this, And you're far more likely to find the capacity to create an efficient and effective way of getting done what you want done. This means that you're more likely to create the results that you want. So whether it's meal planning, housework planning, social event planning, work planning, or just planning a self-compassionate morning routine, start building that planning muscle in your life and you'll be surprised what a difference it makes. Okay, so number eight is about self 
appreciation and life appreciation. The active practice of self-appreciation and life appreciation carries numerous benefits for mental, emotional and physical well-being. These practices can shape our perceptions, reactions and interactions so much in our life in a really positive way. Self-appreciation boosts self-esteem because you're recognising your strengths, accomplishments and intrinsic self-worth. Also, when you appreciate yourself, you're better equipped to cope with challenges, setbacks and failures. And self-appreciation also helps combat that internal critic, that inner voice, so that we combat that and it leads us to fewer negative thoughts about ourselves and we um, find it easier to value ourselves. And when we find it easier to value ourselves, it's easier to take actions that nurture our well-being. So it all feeds into one another. Also, when you recognise and celebrate your achievements, it will motivate you to pursue further goals and overcome different challenges. And when you appreciate yourself, you are more likely to make decisions that align with your values and long-term best interests. Okay, on to number nine then, which is about paying attention to what you can let go of. So when you're wishing things were different, harbouring your feelings about yourself because you're not doing what you're telling yourself you should be doing, anytime you're using that should word, essentially, or when you are judging yourself for not giving yourself enough time to do something, when you're holding on to resenting yourself, when you're doing this, it will keep feeling as though you're struggling. So if you're resenting or holding other things in life or resenting something about yourself, you're not letting go. You want to let go because it's going to keep you in the struggle. Of course, before you can let go, you need to discover and identify what it is you're holding on to. So look for where you are, as I said, maybe resenting or wishing things were different. Look for negative thought patterns or patterns of self-judgment. And if you can't find the thoughts, notice how you feel in your body and name the emotion and then ask yourself, why do I feel that way? You can start each day by asking yourself to choose one thing that you're going to consciously let go of. So if I was to do that right now, it would be the fact that I'm going to let go of the fact that this podcast episode I now know is going to drop later on Friday than it would if it was dropping at my preferred time. It's going to be late. And rather than continue to wish things were different and berate myself for not being more organised and not planning my week in such a way that I managed to do this in the slot that I wanted to do it in earlier in the week, I can let go and just trust that it will all be okay. And then finally... Okay, I want you to think about taking stock of what matters. I guess it's the other side of the coin of letting go. So in the Lose Weight Live Life Academy this month, our focus topic has been living your best life. And the first part of the work, the first class was about taking stock and looking at the difference in the different areas of our life, what they are like versus what we want them to be. So members completed a guided life audit to help them to do this. And then once this was done, they then had the opportunity to reflect on their life values, what it is they value most in their life and what they want to create to be different so that they can align the different areas of their life with the values and what's important to them. So in essence, taking the time to audit your life is akin to a system check for personal well-being. Just as a business periodically reviews their operations to ensure efficiency and alignment with goals, we can benefit from similar introspection to ensure our life's direction aligns with our values, desires and aspirations. This makes it easier to navigate our life journey with intention and purpose, ultimately to get what we want and to feel better. All right, that is everything I wanted to share with you today. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to speaking to you next week.
Take care. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to have you join the Lose Weight Live Life Academy membership and coach with me. The program offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice-weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community, and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching.